Hey there, you're listening to the Doing It Sober podcast, a podcast about everyday people living their best lives after addiction and alcoholism. Listen to the stories, the tips, and what's keeping these people sober every day. I am your host, Daniela Park, also an addict in recovery with over 13 years sober. I have co-written a few books and have my very own recovery store. To learn more about me, go to doingitsober.com. Hi, welcome everybody to the Doing It Sober podcast. Thanks for joining us again. We have a very interesting, unique person on the show today. I'm really excited to introduce him. A gentleman from, well, actually, he was born and raised in the south side of Chicago, um, living in Minneapolis now. His sobriety date is January 17, 2018. Uh, He had a few drugs of choice, alcohol, marijuana, cocaine. He was actually um, born uh, in a rough rough, uh, upbringing. You grew up around drugs and alcohol, gangs, rats, roaches, physical, verbal, mental, and sexual abuse. All by the age of 13, you witnessed your mom get abused. You watched your dad go to jail. You were molested from age 8 to 10. And when you were 13, you watched your twin brother die the day after Christmas. Uh, You smoked your first joint at 14 years old. And for the first time you could remember to that point, it made all the pain go away. That the first time I ever got drunk was at 17. All right. Finally, uh, you were sick and tired of being sick and tired. So you checked yourself into the Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. You found your purpose was to use your story as a weapon of love, grace, and redemption and inspiration to inspire others to overcome just as uh, he's been doing himself. He did something pretty amazing. He walked... From Minneapolis to California to bring awareness to people who struggle from addiction, suicide prevention, and homelessness. Along the way, you stopped at different rehab facilities and youth homes to tell your story with the hopes of overcoming. Welcome, Jeremy. Hello. Thank you. (laughs) You are incredible, man. (laughs) That was an amazing intro. (laughs) I just, I mean... Wow, what a journey that you've been on, and you're you've been sober over a year now. Two years. How how did everything uh, happen? Like, where did I, you, you've had it hard? How did you come to the point where you wanted to surrender? I just, like you said, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired, um, and blaming everybody else for my choices, and um, I just got sick of it. I something had to change. Um, and there were, I mean, there were a lot of little smaller events that led up to a a big, huge event. Um, I I think one of the biggest ones in a prior relationship that I was in, uh, she had a son and I remember I came in the house one Saturday or Friday night and I, I was just disgusting. And I remember he looked at me the same way I used to look at my dad growing up when he would come in the house. Uh, drunk and whatever so that that happened and going to getting uh dui um and i think the thing that was scary about the dui was the only thing i could think of was getting out and drinking wow like yeah so and then just um going to work i would usually wake up in the morning i would um 
take a shot of something I probably didn't finish the night before. You know, get ready, get ready to go to work, and then on my um my car ride home or car ride to my job, I would smoke weed, and then I would get to where I was working, park my car, and then drink, take another, um, take another shot of whatever I had, and go and try to function, and then lunch break, come out and do the same thing. So it's just a lot of the same, just the same cycle, and I just was like, you know what, there has to be more. Life than this because the only time I wasn't drunk or high is when I was asleep. I mean, it's it, it's really it, it's got to be like either a spiritual experience or something that brought you to that surrender because you've never been taught that you've been up you've been brought up in a very hard place. So you for you to want out that's pretty big. Yeah, no, definitely, um, and I, I definitely say it's because you know the grace of God because what I've learned in life, especially being you know, growing up in the inner city is a lot of times people don't know. Like, you don't know what you don't know. Um, sometimes, like, people don't know that it's better, especially if you've seen one certain thing your whole life. And I just think it's by the grace of God. As a kid, I would always say to myself, there has to be more. Mm. Like, even, in, you know, in situations at home where it wasn't the most stable, like, this, there has to be more. There has to be more. But then, I think at this time around, I had enough fortitude to actually, instead of asking what, asking the question, there has to be more. It was more so, let's just go find out. Wow. So. So how did you find this place in Minnesota? I mean, that's not where you're from. You, you <clears throat> checked yourself in. How did you go about finding uh, help? Well, it, yeah, there was a long process because keep in mind, I moved to Minnesota in 2000, June 12th of 2009. Mm. Um, so a lot of the issues I was dealing with in Chicago kind of just overflowed to Minnesota and the, the 10 years that I was here basically before I went or nine years that I, before I went to rehab, it was just the parts that I can remember. I was just running, trying to, I, for me, a big thing was trying to figure out, trying to figure out where I belong. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've all, I've dealt with rejection, but rejection is a necessarily bad thing. Just depends on how you look at it but um so you know growing up through some of the struggles we were going through as kids i didn't feel like any other kid could relate um and um, so I, and then a lot of that was i was i would make assumptions and my twin brother dying and then all this other stuff I'm like who can relate to this so i always just felt um rejected and then so getting here in minnesota was like a brand new it was a fresh start but i'm noticing some of the stuff from chicago is uh following me so i couldn't blame chicago i couldn't blame anybody else i had to look at myself so it was 10 years of struggling and i was like all right i i'm going to rehab and i got the thought of going to rehab when i was drunk one night on my couch like the i like literally the thought popped in my mind and i was like mm. it was like well it doesn't hurt to entertain a thought and then that thought turned into actually okay wow i started going and do research on rehab, um, started watching a lot of videos, re, um, you know, seeing people's stories. So I was getting really excited. I was like, okay, I'm doing this. And then the day of rehab came and I was like, it's almost like if, if you can think back, um, you're younger and you go to an amusement park with your friends and you're like, I'm going on this roller coaster. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. It's not that tough. And then you get up there and you look up and you're like, <laughs> what was I thinking? Right. So that's how... <laughs> That's how it was for me, um, and I will never forget 
the only reason why I decided to go through with it, there was a lady at the front desk and she showed me her before and after. And I was like, wow. And I, this lady does not know me. And she, she, I was getting ready to walk out and she was like, Jeremy. And she said it in like a mom way. So I turned around, I was like, yes, ma'am. And she was like, I know you want to help a lot of people and you're going to help a lot of people. But she was in, I quote, and she said, what if before you helping people, you have to help yourself? And I turned around and I was like, whatever. And my, I didn't say that to her, but in my mind, I'm, you know. And then she goes, the thing that really got me, she goes, listen, what if you walking out of that door, you're forfeiting on a life that God has for you? And she, I don't, again, this lady had never met this lady, but she knew somehow that was a, that's a trigger for me. That's a trigger for me because I'm like all this stuff I feel like I've already missed out on. And a lot of it is fear. It's fear-based, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, yep. and I was, and I remember just like, we, in my mind, I'm a processor. I process things. So in my mind, I'm like, uh, I've tried this before. It hasn't worked. Chances are, if I keep doing having this response to life, it's not going to work. I've never done this before. I'm scared. I'm nervous. What if I fail? What if I'm not good enough? What if I let people down? What if I let myself down? I was like, you know what? A lot of question marks. But I would much rather go and find out. That way I can say for sure. I refuse to be sitting somewhere when I'm 80 years old in the rocking chair saying, I wish I would have did this. I wish I would have did that. I will not. So. Wow. It's just gave me the chills, honestly. I just, I, my hairs stood up on my arm because we have these um, little Eskimos and these people they call Eskimos um, in the program. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're like little warriors, little angels that, say things or do things or show up in the oddest places that will last in our memories forever and they will give us so much hope and they will change our our thoughts in that moment to get us to do something that is going to change our entire life it's so yes. amazing yes. um now tell us about the walk because i i saw you a while back i watched videos on youtube i mean i watched a whole bunch of stuff before i even talked to you about the interview and you did some heavy duty stuff alone too. Yeah. Wow. You, I'm going to answer that question, but it's always amazing because when I hear people that watch it, like I think I'll never understand because in my mind, like Facebook it, or social media, it only impacted my immediate circle. And so it's weird. Like when I get people, not weird, it's amazing when people um, who don't live in Minnesota or a friend of mine who's in, he's in, I think he's in Europe somewhere. And he was watching it. I was like, wait, what? So, um, yeah, that's always, that's, that's amazing. But, um, that's cool. Yes. So yeah, I did the walk, the walk. Um, <laughs> it was <laughs> one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do just because like you said, for one, you're, you're alone, right? And you can't run to anyone for comfort there's and a lot of times i had t-mobile at the time and t-mobile says they cover 99.9 percent .9 of americans <laughs> i must i must have been that 0.1 percent they didn't cover because a lot of times i had terrible phone service but it was it was it was sad because walking within itself is like you know you you go to bed at night you're like okay what do i have to do tomorrow oh i have to walk but then it's like on top of that, so it's like a, it's, it's like a, a sandwich, if you will. There's that layer, then there's the every day you have to come 
to grips with the fact that you may not talk to someone face to face. Wow. That that's crushing. Three, the weather. I was never one of those big people on like, oh yeah, your weather controls people's mindsets, but like cloud days where there's nothing there's just long road long highway mountains horses and cows and you like can i deal with this so then that's another layer then physically and then all this stuff i feel like was getting uprooted out of me a lot of the stuff that i had suppressed through doing drugs or drinking or fighting or whatever oh, i'm sure be. um and so all of it was coming up and i'm a little bit of a, a a weirdo in the sense I like to push myself. Um, and I think I got that from how I grew up. So on days when I was out there and it was really tough, I didn't listen to any podcasts. I didn't listen to any music. I wanted to know, I wanted to have confidence in myself that I could carry that weight and just wow. be okay with it. Like cry, do what I have to do, throw, throw a temper tantrum, whatever. But I, that was the reason why I started doing drugs and drinking. I couldn't deal with the weight of hurting anymore. Mm. And so, I mean, imagine that though. I was 14 when that started. Now I'm 30, I'm 31, 32. So I have to go and literally unwind all of that. And it's like, it's like shaking out a blanket with a bunch of dust in it. All you think it's okay. Well, you're like, okay, there's a little bit of dust in there, but you don't understand how much dust is until you start shaking. It was like all this depression. Battling thoughts of suicide, um, battling thoughts of relapsing, battling thoughts of of coming back home. The 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 worst fear that I literally felt pull out of me, literally felt like a hangnail. If you've ever pulled the hangnail out, you know how you can feel it detach from your your body. Was the fear of the fear of how people viewed me, the thoughts and the that is a real thing. When in society nowadays we're so we're so mindful. What what do they think about me? Oh my God! Like not knowing my identity does not come from a person. That if if you if a person can can fight that demon or just fight that face to face, there's no door in this life you will you can't open. That is, we always think. Well, what if I fail? Like these are thoughts. Like what if I fail? Oh my God, people people, 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 people. And I got to a point and I was like, wait, what do I think about me? I gave my, I, I had a friend talk to me and he said, Jeremy, I've worked out with you before. I've seen you push yourself physically. You've never complained about being tired. But he said, the fact that you're saying you don't have anything left was like, I believe you because you're not the type physically, you're not the type to give up. And that was in Utah. But I Wow, still, my gosh. <laughs> I still felt like, I still felt like it wasn't good enough. Uh, and that was one of, one of the things I struggle with. People ask me my biggest regret. My biggest regret is I went into this with the mindset of, God, I'm doing this for you instead of God, hey, can, we, can this be a partnership? Can we do this together? Got it. That's amazing. So um, you stopped along the way. You met people? Yeah. Well, we met at different youth. I, um, we had a plan. Uh, to stop at different youth homes and rehab facilities. Some of them, they allowed us to come in like they said they would. Some of them, some of them didn't. Some, where it wasn't like anything malicious, it was someone left or was on vacation, we needed that person's approval. So I think we stopped at like it was five or six places and then we did a um, hamburger drive. Uh, we gave away hamburgers in downtown Denver. We gave away 60 of them to the home. That's so neat. 
so yeah, it was it was really cool just to talk to them, just because they're people, you know, yeah. um, people, and it was interesting to hear their stories because it's hard not to judge sometimes when you when you, you know. I just just be honest. Should we judge? No, but the reality is we all fall short of that, and so that was humbling for me to be able to go back to that, and it was like I used man, I used to be. I, I hate saying I used to be one of you because you're a person, but it was like I was in your situation, um, and I know how it feels. And the last thing you want sometimes is somebody coming up and preaching to you, like yeah, da, 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 you know, just how about just listening to somebody and hearing them out? Because sometimes I've learned in life, like you, you could be one person away. Like let's say you're having a really bad day, and I'm just shopping and I run into you and we bump into each other and you tell me about your day and I just listen. Like that gives you an opportunity to, to, to really just let all that weight go and you can really like bless somebody and move forward. So it was, it was cool talking to the people. God, the strength that you have, you know, for, it's like in the 12 steps, I don't know if you're familiar with the AA 12 steps. Uh, we, we have a lot of different things we do up to the 12th step and mm -hmm. it's taking a look at all that suppressed stuff getting mm -hmm. it out with someone or god or you know a friend religious person anyone really mm -hmm. and um it's it, it's almost like you did that you you faced every demon now physically were you dead i mean did it kill oh you oh my god uh, you well i tore my meniscus in my right knee oh and wyoming um physically I, I was just telling my fiance because I'm doing another one. Uh, we're trying to set up another, well, not trying. We are going to set up another one here this May where I'm going to be walking. Um, I'm be, I will be staying in Minnesota, but we'll be, uh, be walking basically from Egan, Minnesota to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and hopefully back. Uh, but I was telling her, Last year, I bulked up. Like I put, I was lifting a lot of weights, and I was mm -hmm. like, and so when I got out there, I'm like, that was dumb. I why I don't need this extra weight. But yeah, physically, my blisters had blisters. My um, oh yeah, yeah, I was. That was probably one of the darkest places I've ever been um, in my life because it was literally just everything, and you know, so I had to give off this one. I had to give off the perception when I would do like Facebook lives and Instagram, but I would, that would frustrate me because I'm like, I'm not really happy right now. Like right. this is the, this is the reality of change. Mm. Um, and so a lot of times I was smiling and when I would get off uh, of social media, the people that I could contact, they were, oh, I was crying so much. <laughs> 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 it was crying. So, and it was just, it was those. Um, sorry, I lost it was, your, your face. Like, oh, there, yeah. I got you. It was just one of those like healthy from your diaphragm cry that you had locked in there since you were seven years old. Wow. When your first when your first crush told you she, when you asked her, Do you like me? Circle yes or no, and she put no. <laughs> <laughs> All of that came up and it was it was my pastor always says it's like having the best of times and the worst of time all at the same time. That is crazy. I'm so proud of you. You're amazing. Thank what you. does the future hold? So you want to do another walk? Yes. Are you currently um, working with any uh, anybody else? Or what do you do no. for um, for your sobriety? What are your daily practices? For me, just really, that's a good question. Acknowledging where I am. 
like people don't understand acknowledgement is the best one of the best tools we have and I always say if you go into a hotel right every hotel has those little rectangle signs two of them that says in case of emergency you were here but if you ask people the most important part of the illustration nine out of ten times people are going to tell you it's the stairs and I disagree it's not the stairs if you can't acknowledge where you are there in 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 if you can't acknowledge where you are, it doesn't matter where the stairs are because you can't get to help if you can't acknowledge where you are first. And so I think acknowledgement is like if I'm if I'm feeling frustrated or angry or sad, just acknowledge it. Not I don't sit in it, but I'm like I you know especially depression. Depression is a, a nasty one, and I've heard people say they think depression is is anger turned inside. But mm-hmm. um, if if I ever get depressed, I usually force myself to do stuff that I know eventually, like reading, um, working out. Um, but I, for me, the biggest thing is the reason why the urges aren't there. So going to rehab gave me the ability to work on my childhood. Yeah. And so once I got to process all of that, the desire to drink or to use left. So. I mean, I think about like I think about it, or the thought crosses my mind periodically, but it, it, it's nothing like it was before. Where like I'm already a week ahead. Like, how am I going to get high or drunk next week? Yeah, I'm running out right now. So you know what I'm saying? Like, if I and I, I talk, not that I would ever go back and drink again, but if I ever did, it would the only thing that I think would, if I was getting like in my honeymoon. But even then, I'm just like, no, I'm okay with some Gatorade and water. Yeah. Like, honestly, what's the point of opening? We know how this story goes. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to be a statistic. So then it's like, but, but that's a, even to be able to have that thought process now, <laughs> three or four years ago, I wouldn't, I'm like, nope, I'm drinking. It's in my, it's in my heart. I mean, yeah. So. Yeah. There's no way I'm not drinking on my honeymoon, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I'll no, tell you, I never even thought I was going to get married because nobody would come near me. I was psychotic. <laughs> and um, when I got married, I had the best honeymoon. We went to a place where it was all-inclusive, alcohol and everything. Mm. And I scuba dived 13 days in a row. It was amazing. No wow. alcohol. I just enjoyed the island and the sea and the people and just the history i didn't even think about alcohol and it was everywhere around me and that's the that's such a gift you know it's just and you know you are coming up on a year i i'm sorry i i said you were gonna you were over a year but you're coming up on a year no two years or two years oh my god it's 2020 yeah i know right oh my god i'm sorry i forgot no no you're fine um it is, but, and I, I agree with you, um, and that was one of the, the biggest fears that I had before, was trying to figure out if I could have, what is fun, because I had this whole, I had a, you know, definition of fun before, and it was associated with everything, so that was my fun, and it's funny how we can make something a reality, but that doesn't mean it's the actual reality, but it was like, okay, what is fun, how am I going to have fun, and so, like since I've been sober, I've been out maybe twice, and they weren't. They were just like I went to a jazz club, mm-hmm. but there's alcohol in the jazz club, and I remember I was nervous. My my palms were getting clammy, and I was like, 
I remember just thinking, why am I nervous? Like, this is stupid. I'm missing out on good music. And I said, it's okay that they want to drink. I can't do anything about their decision. And someone offered me a drink. They're like, hey, you want a beer? And I was like, no, I'm good. And But it was so much ease. Like, it just clicked. And it was so much ease where before it's like, oh, maybe I should go back and say I do. Right, um, right. And then, uh, and then I was like, no, bro, I'm good. And then I remember just taking a deep breath. It was kind of, it was real cliche. It was like a movie almost. But I remember just standing in the back of the, the lounge and I just saw everybody else. And then I kind of saw the over me and then I was, it was almost like that part of me died. And I was like, man, this, this is amazing. That's dope. <laughs> I just, I was just working with the sponsee um, the last few days and, and that's someone I sponsor in the program. And mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, the fourth column where they write down all that stuff. And then the fifth column is where they tell somebody mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I feel like you're similar to her in the way of breaking the chains. You know, well, uh, your website is walkunchained.com. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it picks. <laughs> but you, you're like, you're just, you've, you're going to start a new family. You're going to raise, you know, if, yeah. if you have children, I'm not saying that you will or whatever, but, um, mm. you know, you're going to be in a different light. Absolutely. That's my, my, I would, my biggest thing. I was recently thinking about legacy. Like, maybe I'm too young. Hopefully, I got like at least 60 or 70 years left. We'll see. But I was thinking about legacy and I was talking to my fiance. And that's one thing, like one thing we agree on is the 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 infidelity the addiction um suicide murder whatever it is things that have been happening in our family line like this is it like the buck stops now that none of that none of that is carrying over because i do have a daughter and i do have a a son and i plan on having more kids and it's like that no like that like it's funny because growing up it was like oh i just want to be famous i wanted to be rich blah 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 and now it's like no i don't Good. I haven't gotten a lot of attention from doing this walk, which is great. I really like. I want to be recognized for my work, but I don't. It, anything over there is too much. I'm like, we have to do something different. Like our kids, 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 kids. Like we're gonna sit back and say because our grandparents decided, or our great, 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 great granddad is some weirdo who decided to walk from Minnesota. Who knows if it would be called Minnesota back then, or uh, <laughs> Minnesota to California. <laughs> Who know we might be have flying cars, my great great great, but it's it stopped. And it's the the crazy thing is cycles are are big and what I've learned from women is that, you know, women have a cycle every it comes every month and the way to break a cycle is to plant a seed. And sometimes planting a seed can mean just doing something different differently, changing up a habit, becoming more aware of how you respond, becoming aware of your triggers. And not pretending like they're not there. Yes. <laughs> that one. <laughs> so people can reach you. Um, you're on Instagram, Walk Unchained. Um, you have yes, a website, walkunchained.com. And you're yes, also ma'am. on Facebook, Jeremy Floyd. Yes, ma'am. Jeremy L. L. Floyd, yeah. Jeremy L. Floyd. Okay, yes, perfect. Ma'am. And uh, I can't even tell you how much I'm just so impressed by you and what you've done and where you're going and for all the people that you inspired and it was just amazing that I came across your videos I don't even know how but I did 
and um, and then eventually we hooked up on this podcast. So I'm so grateful yeah. to have you on. I'd love to have you on again, like in six months, checking in, you know, seeing yeah. how you were doing. And uh, yeah. anything else you want to say before we go? Maybe we could do. I could check in with you when I start the new walk as I'm walking. I'm I'm totally down. Let's do yeah. it. Yes, yes. No, I just want to thank you for. Uh, you know, taking your time out of your evening or your day to to talk, and um, thank you for being interested. And just thank you. Thank you. I hope you yes, have a great evening. Yes, ma'am.